What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that still can't work out the incredible acting of horse riding apes, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and from sunup to sundown, he was taught every possible way to kill it on a podcast. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! <laughs> Each week, we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's in hiding, so he changed his name to Jonathan. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's done. You, that's a that's a trigger for me. I hate when people spell it with an L. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so wrong. Uh, Good to be back, fellas. Yeah, welcome, guys. Uh, we are excited. Uh, now, if you are listening to this podcast audio only and you've never joined us for the video show, uh, I want to officially invite you to and also let you know that the default recording of that show, now this can change through different weeks and different schedules and that kind of stuff. But in general, it's now going to be Saturday mornings. So if you're up around oh, 10 a.m. or so Eastern, um, the uh, or what would that be on the West Coast? Like uh, 6 a.m.? 7? <laughs> Se- yeah, 7 a.m. on the West Coast. Uh, watch us live. Come hang out with us. Uh, we love having you in the comments, and uh, it's nice seeing you there. And uh, and would absolutely officially invite you to do that. Also, of course, invite you to be a Sif Pop member. Uh, we do fun bonus shows each week uh, for our Sif Pop members. 
as well. This week, we are back in the MCU, guys. Uh, we are going to talk a little yeah. bit about uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, if I'm being honest, it feels like we never left the MCU. <laughs> They've had a TV show or a movie every week, I think, since April. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're we not. We talked about that in the pre-show a bit. But yeah, it really has not stopped. And it won't. No. No, no, it's not going anywhere. Um, we gotta get my fix. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are also going to talk about a new movie that dropped on Netflix this week uh, called Worth. Um, so, uh, so we'll do some little bit of that. We've got a best ever challenge, uh, a nice little fun one where we can kind of stretch it a little bit and you know kind of cheat around the edges. But uh, we're doing the uh, cheated around all those edges. <laughs> we're doing and the best. You- <laughs> Go ahead. Aaron said, and I quote from the email, just, uh, for everybody, just so you know, that the the best ever challenge this week is movies that deal with rings. Mm-hmm. And per uh, per Aaron, he said, uh, feel free to be creative with rings. <laughs> and the yes. examples he gave were boxing rings and circus rings and Olympic rings. I took that liberty. There you of go. Rings. There you go. And creativity. So just an FYI. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, we'll do some buried treasure as well. Uh, I'm excited to get right into this, guys. So if you're ready, yeah. let's talk a little bit about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. Shang-Chi must confront the past he thought he left behind when he is drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. Uh, this is Marvel's kind of relaunch into the MCU. Black Widow is kind of a transition piece in many ways. Of course, I mean that on the film side. Obviously, there's been some TV shows uh, that are doing some of that work as well. But this really feels like our first big standalone, let's move into the next phase, phase Marvel movie. So I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. Um, it stars uh, Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. Uh, Aquafina is in there. Uh, Tony Leung. Uh, in there to Michelle Yeoh. Lots of great, great stuff going on here, as well as some fun surprises along the way. Uh, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? John, start us off. I really liked Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and I'm excited to talk about some of the things I didn't like, but by and large, yeah, definitely well entertained for the two hours. Okay, so heavy into the liked it. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what about you? Ditto! I really liked it. Can't wait to talk about the things I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, it's well, like the what stuff we the stuff we become. <laughs> what's it? Well, the stuff we liked, I think it's so obvious. Like oh, it's yeah. a Marvel movie. Like we kind of know we're going to enjoy a lot of the basic stuff mm-hmm. here. That's yeah. it. It's almost boilerplate it. at this okay. point. Okay, all right. But the stuff I didn't like is maybe where where there's some nuance and some discussion. 
Okay, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. It was just funny. It was like, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. like this movie, but let's <laughs> let's really get into the negatives. <laughs> let's tear it apart. Uh, guys, I liked it more than you. I loved this movie. I had so much fun. Um, That's great. Now, I, I am the type, you know this if you listen to this podcast, I am the type of movie watcher that wants to give myself to a movie and, and really just embrace it and go all out for it. And I did with this movie. I, I got emotional during this movie. Um, I, I was, had so much joy. Uh, I'm glad to see really, I mean, yes, there's some Marvel MCU stuff peppered in this. That's always going to be the case, but I was really glad to see how much of a standalone story this was and how willing they really were to tell this origin story. And it's nice because the story is not just an origin story. It's also a world building story. And so you get some fully formed characters in this world as well as the new quote-unquote superhero that we're eventually going to be rooting for as they appear in other Marvel movies and other, other properties. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that uh, and and enjoyed just the structure and the storytelling. I was never bored. I was always interested in where it was going, what they were doing. Um, there was so much I like about this that, that I could really go on and on and on because again, I loved it. Um, but I'm going to let you guys talk about a few of the things you liked and then I'll just kind of jump on, um, the things that you're talking about. Uh, so I don't just kind of ramble gloriousness. Um, I, I, I appreciate the ramble. It's, it's great. Cause I've been kind of waffling. Like, did I really love this or am I just so up Marvel's butt that it, it doesn't matter what they put out. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. And no, I mean, there's a little bit of that. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, good movie. Yeah, I, I don't want to sort of uh, – what's the word? Sort of condense this down to just – if you're a fanboy, you'll be fine. But I think there's a lot of things in here to satisfy people, fans of Marvel. And to your point, Aaron, I think this might be the strongest origin story in the MCU since maybe the original Iron Man or or Doctor Strange. I think those are my two other favorite like first Well, that's because you don't like Captain America. But that, you know, that, that one was really good too. <laughs> was it? I, yes. I yes. don't like Captain America. <laughs> Um, the movie, not that I love the character, right, not that right. first movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, I think it, it, it doesn't go without saying, cause we're going to say it as a podcast, that's the whole point, but the choreography and the fight sequences in Shang-Chi are probably the best in the 25 picture franchise. I don't think there's a probably about it. I, they are yeah. absolutely the best. It's incredible. They, I, that's what I said. It all, I wanted to say it almost goes without saying, cause it's such an obvious, like, yes, mm-hmm. the stunt choreography, the fights, they were so well photographed. They were so well uh, choreographed that you actually got to see movement and and dynamic flips, punches. And there's an entire sequence on the side of a building with some scaffolding. And they use it like they're doing the uneven bars, going up and down oh, and across. So and, good. And throwing in kicks and jump. And it was so awesome. It was such a neat, dynamic fight sequence that I don't think we've seen in any Marvel movie, let or probably any good action movie in a long time, like a really dynamic and exciting fight on a unique location like that. That was just photographed in a way that you could actually follow it, mm-hmm. and I just a good fight that you can actually understand the like the the real time threats and the progression of who is winning this fight at this moment. Where is the next kick going to come from? When you can actually follow that uh, geographically and spatially and visually, that's a sign that you're doing it correctly. And I think for the first time in Marvel, they really nailed like fight good stunt fight choreography. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, I, here's the thought I had. The fight choreography is not just good because it looks great, which it does. It's not just good because you can follow it, which you can. It's also good because it's story relevant. 
There, yeah, yeah. there are story plot relevant things happening in the way these characters fight and what they do. And the fights come at crucial story relevant places. Um, so yeah, I just, I, all of that is handled so well and so beautiful. I actually, my thought with a lot of the, the, the movement and the fighting and the choreography and even a lot of, uh, the elementals, um, I'm just going to pretend like this is my, uh, my last airbender movie and, uh, <laughs> and the others don't exist <laughs> because this is, I was like, I was like, oh man, see this is, you can do it. Like, this is so great. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, anyhow, I was going to say to that point, Aaron, the initial fight on the bus, this like out of control yeah. bus careening yeah. down the streets of San Francisco, it's a fantastic sequence. But from a narrative perspective, this is the first time we see Shang-Chi do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of our introduction as well as Aquafina to like, oh, shoot, you're a martial arts master. Mm-hmm. And every time he does a move, it's like, oh, he's actually better. He can't just throw a punch. He can do like a spinning mm-hmm. kick around the, you know, a, mm-hmm. a bus pole. And I think that entire sequence works well because we're yeah. discovering in real time how skilled and capable he is. Yeah. And it looked cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, what's a positive from you? Uh, I'm going to go with the chemistry between Shang-Chi and Katie, which is uh, Samulu and Aquafina. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the uh, French, f- friendship, you know, slash it, will they, will, won't they sort of thing that they have going on uh, was so, you know, just fun and lovable. I think Aquafina is just so charismatic you can't help to love her. I mean, it's impossible to not. It's it's great, and it also lends itself to whenever they are in trouble. Uh, because I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's spoilerish to say that Aquafina is not the lead in this movie. Ergo, she is not immune from danger. So whenever you know there are moments where you think, oh. Is Aquafina gonna die or something like that? I'm not trying. I'm not spoiling if she does or if she doesn't. Obviously, but like there are moments, you know, where she is, uh, like John said, she's not a martial arts expert, so she's just there in the environment, and she could get hurt, and so that tension for her is real, and it's just so exciting to watch a movie where you actually feel stakes again in a Marvel movie where, you know, with you know the or uh, Loki or uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We know that our our leads are going to be fine. It's the uh, it's the side characters, but I think that Aquafina's character is so relevant to what's going on in the story that I felt genuine dread for her. I'm like, oh, I like this character. Please don't let anything mm-hmm. happen to her. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that touches on another one of my favorite things, which is the Simu Lu, uh, Lu character, uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, I think the casting on that is so perfect because it's this balanced combination of, you know, just kind of normal 2020s dude uh, and martial arts expert that that's a tough, like, uh, balance to pull off and he's so perfect he can crack a joke he can be silly he can um you, you buy him as just like a buddy buddy pal friend and then at the same time you buy him as you know shang chi uh and so i just i was really impressed with that then you add to that uh tony leong who gives this movie a 
uh, gravitas like off the charts and it was so good all this he, he was one of my favorite villains in a long time yeah yeah and a lot, and of, I don't even villains even too strong a word. That's what perhaps. I was gonna He's say. Like misunderstood. Yeah, I kind of I empathize with you him. Feel immensely. so sorry for him. Yeah, feel so totally. bad for him. Yeah, and that's what you need. Like I, I keep coming back to it, man. Don't give us more Ronins. You know where it's like, oh, I'm bad for the sake of being bad. Give us more uh, uh, Mandarins, or give us more of. Uh, I'm trying to remember him from Black Panther, uh, Killmonger. Killmonger, yeah, or Thanos. You know, something that drives them besides just rage. And what drives uh, Tony Way in this movie is so heartbreaking. But at the same time, you still see enough other than the pain in him that you're like, yeah, it's sad what he's going through, but he's still not a good guy. You know. <laughs> Right. So it's 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 a tightrope that I think the writing and his performance pull off masterfully for me mm-hmm. to both love and despise this character. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Which which makes makes for a great antagonist because he's layered and complex, and you can empathize but still not uh, agree with his decisions. And I think that made for a really compelling uh, narrative, especially since it's so familial. You have this sort of a strange father son relationship at the core of the emotional stakes of the film, which I feel like a lot of Marvel movies miss. How many other Marvel movie characters do we even know the parents of? I feel like so mm. often they're just like well, orphaned. They're all dead. Or they're, oh, yeah. We don't – I mean, we get a little bit with Tony's dad in Endgame uh, and certainly Thor and his parents were a driving force of some we, of his movies. We meet Peter Quill's dad, uh, yeah, at one point. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, I, I feel it, like a, lo- a lot of the times yeah. they only ever show up when they need to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I think, did a better job of leveraging the emotional connection as sort of just the origin for his upbringing and his powers and whatever. And then kind of circling back to mm-hmm. making that well, such a crux in the third act. And we and we haven't even talked about uh Fala Chen, I believe is her name, who plays the the sister. Um and you That's know Mega Zhang. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh apologize for that. I was reading that incorrectly then. Um but anyhow, the Oh the, wait. Go ahead. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's possible. Uh yeah. but whoever played the sister, I believe it was Falachen, but uh, I, I think the best part is none of them were white men for a change. Right? And that's and, I, and that is another point we should talk about is I'm I'm very happy to not know who some of these actors are. I love the fact that Simu Lee is just completely completely new to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he crushed it. I thought he was fantastic in the lead. Aquafina I know from a few different roles and, and Tony Lung as well. Uh but it it, it is so refreshing to see a movie that's, uh, for lack of a better word, not whitewashed. Like you can make a big summer tentpole blockbuster and fill it with a bunch of relative unknowns or minorities, and it can still totally work. And then, of course, uh, Michelle Yeoh is there because uh, it's a movie about martial arts. So of, of course she. She's is, incredible. But... She's incredible. <laughs> She's great. I, I uh, uh, you can't go wrong with it. It's like you need a movie with martial arts and like mystic, spiritual, ancient, whatever. Michelle, I'm I'm available. I'm on speed dial. Just throw her in that she probably didn't even have to rehearse for this i wanted to bring up the sister because i did want to say that there is that real familial element to the story here that is so important and it really gives credence to every character and their story and what they're going through um you know there are there are a lot of interesting origin kind of things going on here not just for shang chi uh you know for a lot of these characters um so i did want to mention that and then transition into the cultural stuff because 
I was very impressed from the beginning how unwilling this movie was to cater to a white audience. So uh, that starts right. Well, there's a, there's a bunch in, in native Chinese. That's what I'm saying. Right from the, the beginning, it's saying, is, I love that. This is going to be a naturalistic Mandarin speaking, um, you know, uh, movie. And for maybe the first 20 minutes, I don't know that we hear, and maybe that's too, that's an exaggeration maybe, but definitely for the first scene, we don't hear English. Um, and no. it's, and it's you a while. You hear the Mandarin speaking Mandarin. Yeah. And, and I really, really appreciated that. Um, much, you know, anytime we review a movie that is culturally, uh, culturally placed, I try to do as much research as I can when we can't get somebody in from that culture to talk about, uh, the movie. And it seems like it's very well accepted, uh, in the Asian community and that they, they really feel seen with a lot of the choices as far as, uh, you know, parenting structures, cultural things that it just, it feels very much like, uh, an experience to them that is authentic and that's so important and um, I'm glad to hear that yeah I did just want to mention that and because that is not a small part of what's going on here and it's so important for you know um, for us to be able to watch movies with empathy and go okay this is what it's like to exist in a different culture these are the things I'm learning these are the you know the ideas that I can um, broaden myself with and I, I really really appreciated that about this movie so yeah, good stuff there as well. Yeah, uh, I know you guys are excited to talk negatives. Um, we we certain we can certainly get into it. Uh, who wants to start? Uh, John, you're the guest. Why don't you Why don't you start with the negativity? Andrew had his hand up. Oh well, Andrew, super excited. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think for me the biggest negative for this movie is the forced reminder that this is an mcu movie the cameos you know feel so out of place and like they had to have been written in there where i'm like yeah you you didn't need that you know you didn't need to remind me that this is an mcu movie honestly if they would have just you know kept it you know like all we see is shang chi and all of these new characters and you don't try to pander by throwing in you know some characters that we're already familiar with it, it just made it seem it kind of messed with the flow of the movie for me. I don't know why, because tech or I mean, cinematically, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, they made it make sense, kinda. But at the same time, and this is more it, the the part in the middle act as opposed to the end. The end, I'm totally fine with. Um, but it it just made me question, like, do you did you not believe in your movie enough? for us to, you know, love it without having these cameos. Uh, my other negative is that I don't think this movie gets off to a good start. And that's mainly what I mean by that is it was a little bit, it was it was difficult for me to, like, uh, catch, get my pace going with this movie, like, at the very beginning with uh, Aquafina and uh, Shang-Chi, so I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure any of this is necessary. Uh, it, it just felt like a really weird way to introduce a character. Um, but once the movie like picked up, like, and I got where it wanted to go, that's when I got fully, fully invested in this. Uh, the action was great and stuff like that. Although I do think that there were some moments, while this is the best shot and best choreographed, you know, action in in the MCU I do think that there are moments where there might have been a little too much 
going on on screen for me to really like focus in on like a specific thing or like an important aspect of like either the combat or you know the action going on around those are my negatives i have responses to all three of those negatives um one <laughs> the one that i think i line them up shoot them down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, the, the one that i the one that i feel like is probably the most valid especially for a large portion of the audience is uh well and it, this is interesting because i say that maybe to a large portion portion of the audience that's more kind of in the mindset that we are is the Marvel cameo kind of thing, right? Like there, there, there. It really does like jar you a little bit sometimes, but I think that's a, that's a natural thing starting like a new property because you're almost like reminded, oh yeah, we're in the the MCU when that kind of stuff happens, um, and so there's a little bit of jarring element. I will say for a different portion of the audience, that stuff is candy. Like that, you know, they they love that stuff, yeah. and that's that's part of why they there, there's. They enjoy uh, I don't it. even want to call it a cameo, but there's one character from an older property that makes a, an extended appearance in the second act of this movie that I loved. I thought it was such a fantastic way to kind of tie things back up on what was kind of a loose thread from an older movie, and yeah. it was just very very funny. And the yeah. the joke you opened the podcast with. Aaron uh-huh. regarding yeah. the Planet of the Apes. I that was I think the funniest joke in the film. I laughed so hard at that sequence. Maybe because I'm just a Planet of the Apes fan, but there was something about that that moment, that joke that really landed. Um, and I like that, like bringing yeah. back old characters. I think it's something Kevin Feige has mentioned that he loves bringing back older sort of background or supporting characters that you think we've forgotten about. And yeah. it's like, oh, you, you thought this guy was done and we didn't really care about him anymore. Well, let's just bring him back as like a comic relief here. And I like when they do that sort of thing and they, and they reintroduce people we've forgotten about. Yeah. And I, I the earlier cameo and some of the stuff uh, certainly feels like fan service. But at the very start of the movie, there's a shot where Shang-Chi walks out, I think just into his apartment building. And the camera hangs for an extra beat on the outside of his front door because to the left of his door is a, is a wall with a bunch of uh, poster bills on it. And they mention specifically, do you have like post-blip depression? Call this number. And it's like a sign-up sheet for therapy if you've been blipped or unblipped. And I like that little subtle world building that like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're still in a world where half of existence left for five years. And that's extremely traumatic. And they're still very much dealing with it. Since the movie was set in San Francisco, I kind of wanted to see a scene where they walked back through – that big memorial that we saw Scott Lang and Ant-Man yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they were taking the memorial down. Like, I, I, another little callback to something like that would have been appreciated because I am genuinely interested in how does this world work after everyone left and then came back? Because it seems like nothing has changed when clearly it must be very, very weird to live in that universe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to jump back in real quick before Aaron gets on my other two negatives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it, it's not necessary to watch, but it is good entertainment. There is uh, Marvel used to do shorts. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. I do, didn't, and I and I looked them up after we uh, got home from the cinema, and I'm, I got to go check out the one you're referring to. Okay, there's one called All Hail the King. You can yeah. watch them on YouTube, and All Hail the King is not necessary to enjoy this movie but it sure does make for some entertaining commentary afterwards so mm-hmm. uh yeah i think there's four or five different shorts that i five. highly recommend five okay yeah that i highly recommend everybody go and watch but i think out of all of them all hail the king is the best and it's the one that ties into this movie 
Yeah, that okay, is a great Aaron. recommend. We haven't mentioned it yet. We will be recording a a Sif spoil on this, uh, even if for no other reason to talk about the post credit scenes and uh, in that kind of stuff. So just wanted you to know sure. that uh, that there should be some spoilers in your podcast feed uh, if you've already seen the movie. Uh, so yeah, so your other uh, negative points. Um, and now that I'm trying to remember them, uh, I had uh, the cameos, the uh, too much action, like so much was uh-huh. going on in the action, and then I also had. Uh, oh, the the beginning of this movie, the uh, it wasn't a slow start. It was a uh, it was a jarring start, I guess you could say. That's the and one that's, I would. That's the yeah, one I would push ahead. back on the most. I actually really love the the momentum and work into this movie because that that origin scene that you're talking about. I think you're talking about the origin uh, scene with uh, Shang Chi and Katie. Yeah, um, yeah. the the whole the origin of the rings and stuff, all that stuff, I'm cool with. Right, but when right, it gets right, right. to like you know intro- right. the introduction barking. of Katie and Shang, without that's when I that, like, without that, I feel like we don't get enough of the normal dude Shang Chi. Like the, like we really have yeah. to feel that he has fallen into this this life of just being a um what would it was it a Gen Z millennial? I you know I think that's Gen Z at that point. They're in there like he's millennial. He's our age or. And I think they're in their mid twenties. I think he's like twenty four, and his sister's like twenty. If I understood the he's timing correctly, is he supposed to be mid twenties? I, I did not I, get that. <laughs> I think so. I I could be wrong because okay, so he was fourteen, and then they talk about ten years. Yeah, ten years since. Yeah, but they also at one point said it was like nineteen ninety six, and so this movie take place in two thousand six or twenty twenty three. Oh, Marvel good point. timelines kind of all over. Yeah, the place. no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Maybe I completely yeah. missed. I that, assume so. they were like. I assume they were millennials. Like, you know, Lee and Aquafina's yeah. actual age. They're like mid thirties. Right. Yeah. 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 Which yeah, would be millennials. He was born in eighty nine, yeah. so that would be thirty ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Aquafina's, I think, around the same age. Uh, whatever age they are, um, I liked seeing that like normal. Yeah, normal you know, millennial, life. millennial like, life. What is my what yeah. is my purpose? What am I doing? Like, you know, why do I have to pursue some sort of big job? Why can't I just do something I enjoy? And like, so so seeing all that stuff for me leading to the bus scene was perfect. It wasn't too much of it. It felt like just enough for me to go, oh, like I know who this person is before there's a big reveal, right? And so yeah, so that that's the one part that I that I'm. Mostly disagree with as far as too much action goes. Um, I don't. I don't know and that. What I mean by that, it was the screen was cluttered. Right. Yes. Time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I, I want to make sure that I'm not like ah, there were too many fight scenes. No, like, no, 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 no. That's no, no, not no. what I meant. No, you you yeah. spoke you spoke it clearly. Um, okay. Yeah. That that there's too much to pay attention to. Um, I think f- this is this is a, this is an issue that Marvel has had to deal with for a long time. Um, I think it's very emblematic in the the climax of Endgame. Everything is just like a muddy brown mess. It looks like you just let a bunch of ice cream and hot fudge melt into the bowl. It tastes fantastic, but there's no clearly defined contrast in any of your colors, flavors, or scoops. And and the end of this movie especially is just there's stuff flying everywhere, and there's like bow and yeah. arrows, and there's mm-hmm. creatures, and there's swords, and there's fights. People are bleeding and getting shot. Like, who are these people? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The edits are too quick, and the shots are too blurry and muddy. Yeah. And it's just I, I miss when you would have just really – clean and sharp slow cinematography and slow edits and uh that is not quite how marvel does it especially their big third act fight sequences and i was kind of disappointed that this movie it has a few really great emotional beats that are small scale with one or two people and those work and then they sort of widen out and it's like yeah but look big monster and giant fight hundreds of people everyone's at risk okay 
But I don't care about that. I cared about the individual. And I think whenever it focuses on that, it works. And when it sort of pulls back and goes to this big wide fight where literally visually you cannot make heads or tails of like what is in what is water? What is monster? What is battle? What like everything is just like a muddy soup. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's kind of the end of Black Widow was the same way. It's just everyone's falling from this aircraft carrier, <laughs> yes. whatever it was, and it's like, okay, what is this? An explosion? A piece of shrapnel? Or is that Scarlett Johansson? I can't tell. And <laughs> yeah. I don't care. And they've just they've done this in a few movies now, where it's just like just throw everything and just make it a big faceless horde of monsters and debris and explosions everywhere, and hope yeah. that we can just generate excitement through noise and that's not not the way to do it and i think a lot of it is an attempt to hide cg as well i mean there's so much uh computer generated stuff going on in these big scenes and that was that was my main negative and what i was kind of bridge to from your negative andrew is that there is a lot of cg in this and some of it's kind of obvious none of it's terrible i don't think any of it's terrible but it's just it's got some of that puppeteer effect um, in in a lot of these big action scenes, um, especially especially but, the final one. Yeah, uh, my only pushback on that specific note is I think that that puppeteering works well with the wire work style of martial arts that they're doing in this movie. Well, sure, yeah, a lot of that uh, crouching tiger hitting, yeah, exactly, jumping over the water. But of course, stuff. I mean, you have Michelle Yeoh. I think she's contractually obligated to do wire work in any movie she's in. <laughs> but um, absolutely, but uh, you sweep the leg and bring mm-hmm. it around into that yeah. little exactly. Can we talk? I, I don't know if, if we've talked about it. How beautiful this movie is. No, talk on it. The the vibrancy of the colors, the. Uh, uh, like we're talking about with the wire work and stuff like that. Whenever I watch movies like a uh, Hero or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I see a I see beauty in not only you know the the stylization of like the surroundings and stuff like 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 the flowers and stuff like that, but also just the movements themselves can just be gorgeous. It's beautiful combat, and that's something that you only see in uh eastern style movies like this Mm -hmm. and uh, to see it finally make its way to the mcu is really exciting i think this might be one of the most beautiful movies that marvel has put out yeah yeah i i agree it's gorgeous it's it's definitely really beautiful i loved it uh any final thoughts anything else you want to say about shang chi two post-credit scenes that's true. That's true. A mid credit. They're both scene very good. In in a post. We'll talk credits. more about that in the spoiler cast. Uh, yeah. The one, the one thing I want to mention is a, a, a subreddit I subscribe to uh, called Movies Circle Jerk, and it is a uh, very sarcastic group of people that just sort of rag <laughs> on folks like us, uh, a bunch of like you know the thirty something male white YouTube critics. Mm-hmm. Um, but Thank I, you. I love it. I appreciate because I, appreciate that thirty something uh, male YouTube. Yeah, Thank you. you. Yeah. It makes me feel really good. Um, but there's there's a pejorative that's very common, very kind of memeish in that community. Uh, uh, I'll I'll use the less vulgar term, which is cape stuff, right? Cape. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. kind of fill in what stuff would substitute for, and it refers to just any one of these, like Zack Snyder movies or Marvel or whatever. That's just like, hey, they have capes and they fight. Like everyone, give them money. And mm-hmm. I I totally get that sort of pejorative and that derogatory sure. essence. That like, yes, it's just another cape movie. It's just like. And a lot of Shang-Chi, I think, for those types of detractors or naysayers, I don't know if it'll win a lot of people over because there's a bunch of stuff, especially in the third act. It's like, oh, great. Another monster, another sword, another fight. We've seen it. Magic. Magic punches. 
But I don't know. There's something about Shang-Chi that, for me, it sort of transcends a lot of those baseline boilerplate complaints that we've heard and seen hundreds of times already. Uh, and I think it works because of the characters and the introduction of a lot of new mythos and, and just a new style. Like, this is martial arts and, like, Asian cinema morphing and blending with the MCU in a way that kind of worked for me. So I think even if you are normally sort of derogatory towards normal cape movies, this one I think was a little bit better. And I think the same pitfalls exist. If you never have loved a Marvel movie, you're probably not going to be won over by this. But if you've kind of been on the fence with a couple, I think this is better than the average for sure. Yeah. My, the, uh, uh, the bamboo the bamboo skyscraper fight yeah, felt that was more, legit. It felt more like something you'd see in Rumble in the Bronx as opposed to a Marvel movie for me. I'm like, okay. There yeah, was a I'm moment. There was a moment. There was a moment where they kind of kept locked off to a wide shot and all yeah. the action was sort of progressing from, from screen right to screen left. And I kind of was like for a half a beat, I'm like, are they going to do an old boy style oneer where he just yeah. has to like punch everybody from left screen to right screen just to get out? Yeah. And I was really – they kind of did it, but, I mean, they used a lot more edits. They didn't stick to that one shot. But yeah. I love that idea of, like, you have to get to the exit, and in between you and there are 15 other people equally yeah. as well-versed in martial arts. And it's you're on a rail. You can't move left or right. You have to go straight through. Yeah. Uh, and I that's a good comparison. Anytime you get compared to old boy in martial arts, that's you're doing well. He also didn't have a hammer. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a good difference. Uh, That's right. Well, I had one more thing. Now I have two more things because you mentioned that scene, <laughs> and I, I did have to say it was it probably was the highlight of my visual experience. Uh, that scene, number one, I I felt real danger, the height. Uh, oh, yeah. like a real sense of peril, and that's kind of rare for me in a movie. Um, and I felt real peril there. Peril there. Uh, the way they used reflections to highlight the fighting, Ooh, um, yeah. and I don't just mean direct reflections of the fighters. I mean reflections of screens, like L L uh, LED screens that would be on the glass on the building, so you could see the fighters better, and then the rest of the building would almost be blacked out. Um, there was a lot of really cool silhouette oh, style. Man, it was great. there were so many great choices in that scene. Um, I had the thought. It's a, I think it's the first time I've ever had this thought. Take it for what it is. I had the thought, I can't wait to watch this at home on my, my 4K TV. That is that is a good thought to think that you're going to get a better experience at home. But right? Isn't that interesting? I was at an IMAX showing. Like, you know, it was, yeah. it was giant and gorgeous, and yet it would have been crisper and clearer at home, um, which is a really interesting thing to, to think. So, um, but yeah, maybe the first time I've ever had that. My one last thing was going to be about the relationships in this movie. Uh, I really bought into them. Uh, I yeah, talked. That's I think a big reason why it worked for me as well. I I talked earlier about getting emotional during this. I think there is a mm -hmm. real message here about the idea of loving someone through forgiveness. So not not just the idea of forgive and forget, forgive and move on, forgive and leave them behind, but forgive and love. And even the way the the visuals happen here with some of the again I mentioned how story based a lot of the fight scenes are. Some of the visuals of the fighting styles represent grace and forgiveness versus aggression and anger. And yeah, that, uh, I mentioned that earlier. There's a, there's a fight at the end of the movie that's more intimate and personal, and that really worked for oh, me. Oh man! But then when when they kind of switch to the other just faceless horror, right. it's like okay, right. I just and I, I completely yeah. my emotional stakes completely went away, and it's like go back to the other go back to the other fight. I found it extremely moving and very <laughs> powerful, and um, really appreciated them 
yeah. doing that. So, so, but also that scene that you're talking about, Aaron, it's it's that the the two stylizations, the one of grace and beauty, and then the other of brutality and aggression. You know, uh, there you the best part about that scene is that you can see the middle ground, mm-hmm. you know, sure. in between both of them. You see the bridge, as it were. Um, that makes you, I guess bridge is a good transition to our next movie because um, they talk a lot about, you know, sure. or not the bridge. Yeah. Um, but it uh, it really makes, you know, it was really beautiful in the sense like, oh, yeah, you see the, the aggression and the brutality of one versus the grace and love. And yet somehow there's... There's there's a middle ground in there, and that's yeah. what. Ah, uh, this movie. Yeah, you know what? No, I love I, it. I'll say yay, I love it. We got him up to eleven. Wow. Yeah, I am. I am I genuinely it. pleased and and surprised that uh, we all liked. It. I thought for sure I would be kind of the outlier this week. That because it's been getting maybe not mixed reception, but I I have seen plenty of average or below average scores for this. Um, and I saw it opening night, seven p.m. Uh, so I I actually love doing that because when I leave the theater. My my opinion is the only one that I've actually heard from, right? And I haven't yeah. been I haven't been a chance to been influenced. And I remember the same thing coming out of the Last Jedi. And I know uh, Andrew, you hate it, but like I came out of that being like, was that the best Star Wars movie ever? I have no frame of reference, but personally, I thought so. And then I read a lot of stuff online. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm a little little too high on the horse right now. I'll come down a bit. But coming out of this movie, I really really liked it. And then. I was like, am I am I crazy? It seems like everyone else is kind of lukewarm on it, but I'm glad you guys are at least. On oh, I loved it. I I loved yeah, it. I, it was uh, really solid. Uh, I have it. I eighth. do too now. I have I it at eighth it. in my MCU rankings. Um, so, Whoa! Yeah, it's, I haven't it's even way up there. I got to re-rank to mine. I I think yeah. this might be definitely top half for me. So this is within the top twelve, mm-hmm. and I think certainly one of the strongest origin films. Since Doctor Strange or the original Iron Man, I think mm-hmm. if I had to rank those introductory films, those yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to see it a couple more times before I can really get well, a yeah. general idea of where I'm gonna put it on my list. Yeah, so. and if and I may, uh, damn, may... I gotta watch it again. <laughs> oh man, that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's yeah. good. Uh, all right, that's Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Let's move on and talk a little bit about worth. The shock from the attacks in New York and D.C. reverberate across the entire nation. What we're facing is a national emergency. We are proposing the Treasury Fund offering compensation to the victims. Ken, we'll have to negotiate all settlements. The victims and their families will be compensated based on economic value lost. That's where the formula comes in. 80%. Any fewer come aboard, the lawsuits that result could crater the economy. Kenneth Feinberg, a powerful D.C. lawyer appointed special master of the 9-11 fund, fights off the cynicism, bureaucracy, and politics associated with administering government funds and in doing so discovers what life is worth. Uh, this is kind of brings back a little bit of the spotlight team, right? You got Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci in two of the main roles, kind of a similar feel of working through a very difficult, uh, situation. Um, and Michael is trying his best at a Boston accent. So I immediately was like, is this spotlight too? It feels, it's like, it's a, it's a procedural movie. Mm-hmm. It's a process movie. Yeah. They have a problem. They have to fix it. Yeah. There's no true antagonist. And I love those types of narratives where it's just 
like people against a problem. Yeah. And so yeah, this is this is an interesting one. So you got Keaton and Tucci along with Amy Ryan uh, and uh, many others uh, jumping in here to tell a true story of what the U.S. government tried to do to help out the victims of 9-11 in an attempt to keep them from suing the airlines and completely crippling the economy. Uh, so, yeah, what did you guys think? Did and you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, why don't you start this time? Uh, I'm going to go with... Lo- I, uh, just liked it. I liked it. I okay. liked it. Right in the liked it camp. Uh, I was going to say low liked it, but no, I liked it. John, what about you? I'm right around the same. I'm right in the middle, maybe high side. I liked it. Yeah, uh, I'm dead on and liked it. Um, I don't think there was enough here for me to go high side. I liked it. Not enough bad here for me to go low side. I liked it. Um, I, you know, it is one of those interesting movies where liked it feels a little strange. Like, you know, it's 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 more like, oh, man, I love watching <laughs> 9-11 victims claim insurance money. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's my genre. Uh, yeah, so there's a little strangeness there. Uh, but John, you seem to uh, kind of border on the high side. I liked it, so maybe you start us off. What are some of the things you really liked about? Yeah, I, I feel like what the, I feel like as we talk about it, we'll find I I like it just as little or as most as you guys. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I think there was yeah emotionally. There's a couple moments in here that are really powerful and actually started to make me tear up a bit. But all of those moments sort of trade on actual raw. Real life stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. And the movie, the movie doesn't manufacture that emotion. It's just like, oh, here's a woman crying about the loss of her husband because uh, he died in the twin towers, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, that's terrible. It's been 20 years next week, and it's still raw. It still hurts. Uh, I just went to the 9/11 memorial in Manhattan just for the first time a month ago. Um, so a lot of this stuff is very fresh on my mind. Very powerful experience, by the way, if you could ever visit in mm-hmm. person, and. I think that stuff works really well, but how much credit do we give the movie for that? Um, I think outside of that, a lot of the procedural stuff is like, how interesting is it to watch like a claims adjuster adjudicate like how much someone's life is worth based on their projected salary into the future? Well, this guy's a CEO. He worked for Cantor Fitzgerald, so he would have made $20 million over the next 20 years. But this lady's a janitor, and she only made 30000 a year, so her life is only worth 350000 Like, that's a very philosophical question and the movie never quite um i guess it i guess it kind of tackles it in a way that ultimately you have to just take each case individually and it, it's just it, it's an interesting dilemma and it's an interesting narrative but it's i don't know if it's like really entertaining or cathartic and i don't know i i guess i left the proceedings maybe unmoved by the central narrative and more affected by the personal stories clearly pulled from real life that were woven into it. Uh, and everything with Stanley Tucci I thought was fantastic. I wanted way more of him. He uh, was on rare form in this film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Tucci. Um, I'll watch him in anything. Uh, Andrew, some thoughts, some some things you liked about it? Uh, something that I think this movie did very well, especially especially uh, in like the first 20 minutes of this movie, is it transported me back to that day. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was reliving, like I remembered, ex- I don't, I n- I'm sure you guys do too, but I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when I found out. And uh, I was, uh, like, as I was watching this movie and you see, like, uh, the video, the actual, like, the real footage from that day, and it's being shown, I'm like, oh man, I'm back in high school, and I'm watching it on TV, and I, uh, it was... 
it's one of those rare moments where a, a movie and obviously it's the subject matter that does it, you know, that it can do that to you and you feel like a different person again. And you're like, oh, I, I, I just the horror and the pain and the sadness was reignited, I guess you could say, uh, from mm-hmm. how I felt. Um, but uh, something that's and uh, that's only exacerbated by what I think is what this movie is really relying on is the uh like uh, uh John said the uh the people coming in and telling their stories about their loved ones and stuff the power of this movie lies in those monologues you know uh, so that's really the driving force of the movie but you can only do that for so long until you have to you know find something other something else at substance for the movie to actually you know feel like a movie as opposed to, you know, like a, a dialogue, or, a dramatization. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think the big problem with the movie is, is that the driving force of this movie is a set of numbers on a whiteboard and it leaves for a very anticlimactic movie, like powerful yeah. and emotional but anticlimactic as I think far they as needed, a narrative. They needed, it was weird to follow Michael Keaton as the protagonist because he's mm-hmm. just the, the you know the special master of yeah. this the victims' compensation fund. Whereas, and we got threads of it. There are some ancillary characters that come in and out of the movie that carry the weight of the emotional crux of this. But and that's not to say Keaton's character doesn't have an arc. It's just I feel like we needed someone else in the center of this to really drive a more fully fledged emotionally driven cathartic Mm -hmm. through line that like we see them before during and after 9-11 and a question i want to posit uh is say you uh i don't know have been living in a cave for 20 years and you have not heard of 9-11 or you were not old enough to remember it does this movie land as effectively if you don't have a personal connection if you don't remember where you were on that tuesday morning does this movie still work as well i don't know i don't think so i don't i think you need that i think that context is I think the movie knows that that context is there for most of its audience. Yeah. Um, I, if, I would I would say normally if you have to rely on outside books, novels, experiences to appreciate a movie, then the movie hasn't done enough of its own work on its own. But with nine eleven, like who honestly hasn't had some connection right. to it? Over well, the last I mean, years? it's in the same way that you know none of us lived through World War Two, but you know we under. Harbor. Or, or Pearl Harbor, but we understand what that means. And, you know, a movie yep. wouldn't have to do that extra work of showing us that to have that be sure. the the foundational uh, launch point. Because this isn't a movie that's like taking us through the actual day of 9 11. This is a movie no, that's taking sort us of through. A, it's a backdrop. Yeah, part yeah. of the aftermath. And I, I will say this anytime you're dealing with 9 11, I mean, honestly, it is still reverberating in the news to this very day as we withdraw from Afghanistan, right? Like the the idea of the reverberations of that day in our choices and the way we see the world and all those kind of things is way too vast to really try to, you know, uh, completely cover in a movie like this. And I don't think the movie needs to do that because what this movie is choosing to do is to focus on those who lost family members, lost loved ones, um, and say, what was our government's responsibility to them? How well did that process go? 
I don't think the movie uh, deals very well with the actual conundrum at the heart of it. I, you know, the idea of what is a human, and I think you were kind of saying this, John. Um, I, I, I fumbled my words a bit, but please, uh, you know, no, no, that no, phrase better. <laughs> no, I just, I felt like the, the core conundrum, because this movie is really three different types of movies, right? It's part documentary, because we're hearing yep. actual stories from, some of these people were the actual people who this happened to. Were they? Yes. Um, so, I, I thought I'm like, are these people actors? Or are they just actual relatives? It's a little it's bit very, of both. Very easily, they, they they're it? very small little cameos mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of both. Style. It's a little bit of both. So it's part documentary. Um, it's part awards bait, right? Like there's definitely a, a feeling of like this is grand and important, and from the producers of Spotlight and Michael Key, like there's kind of that yeah, yeah. awards mentality to it. And it's part conundrum movie, right? The idea of it wants you to leave going, hmm. What do I think is the right thing? What is the moral thing to do here? And at the center of the moral conundrum is what is to me, and obviously there's, there's different contexts and parts of this, but is what is the government's responsibility to its hurting citizens in the wake of a tragic event? And what makes, how do you draw those lines? How do you decide, you know, what that number is, what that value is, if you're going to go down that road? And the movie only kind of winks at that. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. really go into that conundrum. And I wanted it to because I want to think about those things. I want to talk about those things. I want to talk about does the government have any responsibility in those in those times? And where do you draw that line? I think the answer for me personally is yes. But how do you figure that out, you know, when you're dealing with using taxpayer money to you know, give money to victims of a tragedy. What what kind of a tragedy does it have to be? To you know, like all those questions are really interesting to me. And then I, I think what's what's really interesting uh, from my perspective is as I watched it at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, just cut everyone a three million dollar check and call it a day. Just even Stevens across the board. But then as you get more into it, I'm like, actually that that actually isn't fair. That's that. And they mentioned that there's a good conversation between Stanley and Michael where. It's not about fair. It's about just. It's about being mm-hmm. just to each individual case. And then the more you watch the movie, the more you realize that like whatever your inherent or initial thought or answer to that conundrum is, maybe there isn't like a blanket solution to this. It's just a really complicated equation that has no easy answer. And indeed, the movie doesn't really answer it, uh, which was frustrating. They kind of arrive to their goal but they don't really tell us individually how did they convince each person? What did it actually take? What is the worth of each human life? Uh, I, I was kind of miss maybe some more of that mathematical process where they actually just can't. No, actually, here's your number. Are you okay with it? And why are you okay with it? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really get that. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, it, it's it's a movie that's doing some interesting, compelling things. There are there are very emotional uh, moments, and the the subject matter and the emotion is probably why I come out on the liked it you know part of it because I'm glad I watched. I'm glad I heard some of these stories. I'm glad that you know, uh, and I and I'm glad to see Stanley Tucci and Michael Keaton doing stuff. Like you know, they're they're always yeah. fun to watch. Um, but it's just it's a bit of a a bit of a jumble as far as what this movie's trying to do and actually what it accomplishes. And maybe that's just because the situation is a bit of a jumble. Maybe this is a no-win kind of movie. Maybe there's no way you tell this story that feels complete because there is so much around the edges of it. Um, but I don't know. I think that the big issue is that this movie, like you said, wants to teeter-totter between the moral conundrum of, you know, the money and, like, the value of life and, you know, stuff like that. But it also 
it wants to be a movie about numbers, but it also wants to be a movie about worth of a soul. And I think where this movie messed up is that Michael Keaton should not have been the lead. Yeah. Stanley Tucci's character should have been the lead. I agree. It, because I think it's a then, way more compelling story. The yeah, fighter, because, the guy who's going up against something. There was just not a lot of uh, opposition. Michael Keaton's entire uh, dilemma is just, oh, I have to change my mind. Like he never, he has full power the entire movie to do yeah. exactly what everyone needs him to, and he's just like, mm, I don't know. I think we should stick with this. And it, there's, I think, yeah, Stanley Tucci's the more compelling. I, think I agree with you. I will tell you the re- prob- the probable reason it's not is because it's it's uh, Ken Feinberg's book. It's based on mm. the Ken-, Ken Feinberg telling this story. Yeah. So that would entirely be it. Then that's probably <laughs> yeah. why it is this way. Yes. Yeah, it's. Uh, but having said that, if I had to give one negative for it, that would be it. Like make it a uh, a Charles Wolf, which I guess is a uh, a made up character, or I guess no. he's just you know a. Because I tried to look him up and I couldn't find anything. No, that character was a was a real person. Um, a lot of the other I didn't know if it was just like an were, amalgamation. No, a lot of the other victims were conglomerates, but um, the actual Stanley Tucci character was um, based on a mm. specific person who who did those uh, things. For what it's worth, fixthefun.org not only still exists, uh, it, it, it is it still exists is what I meant to say. It not only existed, it's it <laughs> it not only existed, existed it yeah. still exists. Yeah. And you can visit it. Uh, and right at the top, the fund is fixed. Updated December 1, 2003. Yep. There you go. So, uh, wow. I I wanted to mention just a couple things uh, th- and maybe give more light as to why I land in the light to camp. I think this movie handles particular scenes really well. Uh, there is a scene of awakening for the Feinberg character Um to the fact that it's not going to be as simple as he thinks when he's in front of a large group of people that I thought was handled mm. perfectly. It may have been my favorite scene in the movie when he gives the his big crowd. Yeah, scene. when he gives his first presentation yeah. to the victims. I agree. Um, I just thought that was a beautiful representation of him figuring out. Oh, I was you know the beginning seeds of I think maybe I'm wrong about how this is going to end up being handled. Um, He's, it's, it's, he just it's says way more raw and emotional, and it feels and real, it off, right? It feels yeah. really authentic to a person like that. How they would fumble their way through that because they say the wrong thing, or you know, whatever the case may be. I remember as soon as that scene started, I'm like, oh boy, this is this is going to get interesting <laughs> yeah. very quick. Yeah, yeah. So the movie, uh, and I like that there was that when they had of the sort of the emotional rawness of the event, butting heads with like the mathematical lawyer. Mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of the greatest tension of the movie came from. Um, but it, it didn't always, you know, kind of rub up against it. They they strayed away from that thread a lot. Yeah. And the moments where those two opposing thoughts and dynamics uh, bridged is where I think the movie succeeded the best. And then the only other thought I has was uh, the movie that had the movie uses Tate Donovan to set up a foil, and I don't know that the movie needed it, um, but it wanted to have that big, you know, dinner scene, you know, moment and. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think that actually happened that way in real life. I think the movie wanted it. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, a lot of this was just like really boring. Yeah. They just do it. You just have to do the work, run the process, make the phone call, visit yeah. the people, run the math. Yeah. Uh, there's not like a big blowout emotional public scene that could serve as your climactic. Daniel Mao is just. Ugh. That's what yeah, I'm, that's what I was just, talking about. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. That's like the most cinematic moment in the movie. And it's like, really? That was. It didn't quite work. Okay. And it yeah. just it felt like a false foil. So, yeah. I thought that there was a lot of like cheesy dialogue in this too. 
Like whenever, you know, somebody's going tit for tat with somebody like whether it be Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci or the Tate Donovan, like somebody will say something and then there's like the CSI Miami taking off the sunglasses. <laughs> well, if we do that, then we got to do this. And in the background, I can hear the who going, yeah, <laughs> but it, but it, th- those kind of moments, you know, they kind of took me out of the movie. But then, you know, you have movies like whenever they're talking about the Donato family, you know, where they make it personal yeah, and they yeah. and they and they really focus in on a singular character or the. Uh, yeah, that's the work. Yeah. Or when they focus in on the character. For me, what I thought was the most powerful scene in the movie was whenever Amy Ryan went to go and see the parents mm-hmm. of uh, one of the uh, the victims who was who's. Uh, Virginia is gay, so he doesn't yeah, the, get benefits. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And just that conversation, the denial in that family and the mother and dad was just so heartbreaking. That for me was probably the most emotional part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And and I am I am very thankful and appreciative that in the twenty years since we have corrected that. Yeah. 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 We now live in a country where people like that can get benefits from their deceased partners. So yeah. yep. we've the, made some progress. Yeah. And then the phone call she has to make to him. Oh, that's end. a great oh. scene. That's a great scene. Oh, Honestly, it's 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 weird to say this, but every moment without Michael Keaton is a great moment in this film. <laughs> like he is and, and not not to downplay Michael, who's doing fantastic work here, but the lead character in Worth is the worst part of the film. I think I mean I will say I just here. said my favorite scene was, you know, him in front of that crowd. So I mean he yeah. is in some good scenes too, but um And I'm not I'm not saying he's terrible, but I think compared to all the other best moments I enjoyed, the stuff with him was kind of lower on that list. Yeah. Well, and it's the most like, well, effective moments were without him. Yeah, it's because, you know, for a majority of this movie, he is not the one dealing personally with these people. Yeah. So ergo he is the one who has the least amount of his scenes have the least amount of emotional impact mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah which is which is a, a curious narrative choice to kind of thread your entire screenplay through a kind of an outsider mm-hmm. who doesn't yeah. really connect to it until the very end of the movie um but yeah i i enjoyed it but i think now that we've discussed it i've kind of been able to pontificate a bit on what I didn't like about it. And I think it was all the other characters I enjoyed more. Listen, at the end of the day, I think the good stuff is good enough if you're already subbed to Netflix to just throw it on and experience it. This is definitely a recommend for me. Definitely recommend I I totally agree. I just think it's... If you're in the right mindset, it's rough. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, hey, the 11th is a week away. If you really want to just relive that day on the 20th anniversary, pop on Netflix and get a box of Kleenex and... Maybe yeah. Uh, just yeah. cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How old Great were recommend. you guys whenever Great recommend, 9/11 Jonathan. happened? Uh, I was I was a sophomore in high school. I was 14 at the time. Okay. Yeah, I was 25. Is that right? Seems right. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And Andrew, you're my age, right? You're, you're probably high school as well? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Super traumatic. Yeah. They had us watch it all day. Probably not a great idea. To let a bunch we, uh, of uh, teenagers just watch three thousand people die on live TV, but yeah, you know, you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah, uh, the moment that people started, you know, having to get out of the building, you know, like from up top, like jumping and stuff, they yeah, sent yeah, us yeah, all yeah. home. They sent us all home. Yeah, your school so. had more foresight than mine. We just kept watching. I don't. Uh, yeah. That's probably not the best idea. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. sent they sent us home at like the regular. We would probably sat there and watched five six hours in a row. They canceled every class and. 
we stayed in wow. the library all day, like a big group of wow. us. No, yeah, uh, we went from class to class. That everybody just had the news on, and yeah, no school. But I think around uh, ten or eleven, they just send everybody home. Yeah, yeah, that's probably. I, I wish they had done that. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I a bit, just a bit traumatic. I just remember being at work and um, hearing about the first plane, and then being on my phone uh, with my wife, uh, and she said a second plane just hit, and I said, "Oh, we're under attack!" Like the, uh, yeah, that yeah, was when it clicked. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's not two accidents that just happen to be <laughs> like you know." It's just my my like, thought uh, when I when when we heard the second one, we were prepping for an English test that for some reason my mm. teacher still made us take. Uh, and I remember this is at like it's like nine oh five a.m. right right after the mm-hmm. second plane hit. Yeah. I remember turning around in my classroom saying, "This we're going to tell our grandchildren about this. Yeah. This is this is our Kennedy moment." Mm-hmm. And I yeah. had the foresight and the prescience then to be like, "This is absolutely like world stopping news, and we're going to have a very different afternoon." Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was like a you know a ignorance of youth. Sort of a thing, but there was a uh, before nine eleven. You know, it's just there was a sense of security and comfort that. Uh, oh, that was I everybody. Haven't... I mean, the nineties were just such a colorful, yeah, time with techno music and ridiculous outfits and the Spice Girls and the Macarena and everything was wonderful, and yeah. the stock market was up and President Clinton's approval ratings were great. And yeah, and then comes Y two K and everything starts sliding after nine eleven, and we had a recession and like everyone starts losing their jobs and. We go into two never-ending wars. Like, yeah, that that was sort of a linchpin for a, the America's lost innocence. We definitely yeah. a lot of things changed that day. Well, welcome to sure. the welcome to the history cast. Uh, we yeah. are we are. Well, whenever you talk about a movie like this, is a good, is very this important. Is, yeah, I think too. And, and with the twentieth anniversary, I think this is a good conversation to have. For sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah. absolutely. Um, if you want to check it out, it is on Netflix. Uh, I should mention uh, Shang Chi uh, is just in theaters, um, which is another part oh, yes. of that story that uh, we didn't talk about. But uh, this is the first theater only, uh, you know, Marvel movie for Disney. Maybe their first theater only movie. Because um, even in a long in a minute. Yeah. yeah, I think Jungle Cruise that went to video as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it'll it's going to go to Disney Plus, but it's going to be I think they said a month plus something. I yeah, think. it's 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 not day and date. It's day and a month and then a date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're kind of they're kind of it's 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 much it's a much briefer uh, sort of uh, home release schedule yeah. than usual. Usually yeah. it's three or four months. Now it's like four or five weeks. Well, let's head into the best ever challenge. Before we do, though, another thank you to our Sif Pop members. Um, a reminder, you can get the ad-free version of the podcast as a Sif Pop member. You also have the opportunity at different levels to have the bonus podcast. We talk about the state Ooh. of the MCU this week on the bonus podcast and how we feel uh, the MCU is doing, where it's going, um, and even use sexual metaphors. So, uh, so there you go. Um, oh yeah, I put that, I put that out of my memory. Uh, if you want to check that out, that is Patreon, <laughs> Patreon.com slash sift pop and uh, if lo- i was listening i would have been like huh? okay i'll check it out now <laughs> that's worth a month that's just good marketing right there uh yeah, patreon.com slash sift pop thank you to those who support and make this podcast and website possible what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right, let us move into the best ever challenge, best ever movies featuring rings, and yes, let's be creative on this. I'm excited to see how creative you got. We'll go from number five. <laughs> I wonder what our number ones is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go from number five uh, to number one. Um, I think I, I may get pushed back on one of these is a bit of a stretch, but, uh, but for the most part, I think these make sense. Um, There's one movie I think we're all going to have. Can we agree before we begin that all of the Lord of the Rings movies will just be treated as correct. one entry? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That is correct. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to just have the top three be the three separate. Movies. No, 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 no. Okay, that okay. is that has always been the case here at Sif Pop. We treat the okay. uh, LOTR as one film. Um. For yeah, good as or for it real. should. As it should. Uh, all right, number five, Andrew, kick us off. What's your number five movie featuring rings? Uh, I only have one or two that I think are going to be my saving private Ryan movies. But uh, <laughs> for number five, uh, this one's pretty safe. I'm going to go with Miracle. Yeah. I had that at five as well. Yeah, I had that okay. in my honorable mentions. Just missed my list. Yeah. I... This may be one of my favorite sports movies ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so like, good. It's so freaking good. This movie it's, is so I, amazing. I, I rewatched it for the the 40th anniversary. It was it was I think earlier this year, right? Or was it last year? Was it eighty or eighty one? It was eighty one. Yeah, so it was it was February. Of, uh, so I watched it whenever the 40th anniversary came around. Yeah, it, it's just it's it's so formulaic. It's just like the very, like the rousing speech and the comeback from. But it was real. It happened, and it was one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sports. Yeah, yeah. I love this movie. It's so good. It, it the scene that I always come back to is again, yeah. again. You know, uh, who do you play for? United States of America. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't play for you the name stand, on the front. You play for the name on the back. Yeah, yeah. And then you just stand up and you go, oh yes, you know, and God. I said this that movie, line wrong, but you got it. Yeah, you I know, said it I know, I know you said it wrong, but I, I knew what you meant. I oh, wasn't going to be the a, guy. It's to, a great, great moment. Yeah, I was going to yeah. let you be the one to correct yourself. But uh, <laughs> uh, you. no, I think Kurt Russell was amazing in this. His Minnesota accent is great. And uh, <laughs> I think, honestly, it's a movie where you care so much about, you know, the coach. And it's about him, you know, teaching these kids but you care so much about this team. And when, because what this movie does so good is, you know, the elimination, you know, they have to get the roster down to a certain number, you know. And by the time, you know, they get down to that final cut, 
it's it hurts, man. There's an emotional, you know, sting that comes with that. You're like, oh, any one of these guys, I'm going to get upset if they get cut. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I we love explicitly mentioned it, for, but for those who don't know what we're talking about, oh, the Miracle 2004 movie Miracle is about the Miracle on Ice, the hockey Olympic yeah. gold medal match against the mm-hmm. uh, U.S. and Soviet Russia. Uh, we didn't mention that. Some people might actually not know about sure. the Miracle on Ice. And the ring it's connection a, is the Olympic rings. Uh, the Olympic this, rings. There you go. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think they say to this day, the Soviet team that was put on ice is still the greatest hockey team of all time. It's just one night, one game. Yeah. A bunch of kids beat them. It yeah. should never have happened. Yep. It's, that's what I love about it so much is that you, 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 any other year, any other time, any other tournament, it was like that perfect storm of like a bunch of amateur 20-somethings beat yeah. the greatest team on ice, the Soviet-Russian squad who had, who had won like five rings, five golds in a row. And it was like, let's just put together a bunch of kids from Minnesota and Boston and see what we got. And they did it. It's, it's an unreal that it actually happened. If this was I, a, just a, a fictional movie, it would be like, that was fun. But it literally happened and it like shook – the sports world yeah. that year. I have a question for you. Uh, do you think <clears throat> if the U.S. had ended up losing in the gold medal game to Finland, maybe I forget who they played in the gold medal because this wasn't the gold Finland. medal game. Uh, no, they, this, yeah, this was the, the game bronze. before. Right. This was That's to right. determine who was going to go to the gold, to the gold medal, medal game. game. Yeah, this, right. this I think was the the bronze medal or whatever. You want no, because the bronze medal is before. the loser of the yes, two right. semifinal. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Because it was Russia and Sweden were playing for bronze. Yeah. If they lose the go-ahead. If they lose the gold this... medal, do you think this still has the same oomph to it? I kind of think maybe it does. Like oh, it, it kind of stands it on its own even without the I gold. I think it was it was it was like a cataclysmic moment to yeah. beat the Soviets at yeah. their own game. Um, I mean it would have been a bummer yeah, if, if, to go walk yeah. away with the silver after that, but you know. I mean people still talk about the Patriots perfect season mm-hmm. in 2007 they won and 18 and 1. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it, it definitely would put a big damper on the end of it if they don't yeah. complete the whole thing. Yeah. But going the regular season undefeated is still a, an unmatched accomplishment. Yeah. Only the 72 Dolphins and the 2007 Patriots have ever done that. So I think, yeah, yeah it would still be talked about. It would still be a huge sports accomplishment. But yeah. I think the gold medal is yeah. definitely the icing. And don't forget that the NFL had put together an all-star team to play them in an exhibition match. The uh, to play the Soviets in an exhibition match, and they got demolished. The N- and, the, and, the and the Olympic NHL? team, NHL, NHL, NHL. What did I say? Yeah. NFL. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we were just talking about Patriots. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Yo, they, they did. Yeah, they. Oh, no did. wonder! No wonder that the Soviets won. <laughs> <laughs> they they put together the NFL. No, but Refrigerator no, the NHL Perry put... is like you know going down the ice. <laughs> no, yeah, and um, mean, yeah, but uh, they had. Uh, they put together this all-star team, and the Soviets demolished this NHL all-star team, and then a bunch of college kids, amateurs, amateurs were put on the uh, the the Olympic team instead of the NHL players because the NHL players. And didn't I, re- want I remember to reading, and maybe the, and maybe they even say this in the title cards at the end of the film. Some of the hockey players from the Miracle on Ice team didn't play hockey ever again. That was like the oh, last yeah. game they ever played. Yeah. A lot that of was the last did. year they ever did it. Yeah. yeah, some went into the NHL. Some played professionally. Some went into coaching. But all, some of the most of the guys just like became accountants or whatever. Yeah, yeah. motivational speakers, stuff. and it's like just a wild confluence at the right time. Yeah, uh, good stuff. One imagine, of the best Olympic movies. Can you for imagine? Sure. <laughs> imagine having the greatest Olympic moment in U.S. <laughs> history, 
and, and then you're pushing you're, papers in the and office then you building. go into the office and they're like, "Hey, Brad, uh, can you get uh, some TPS reports ready for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. I know you won the Olympic medal against the greatest team of all time, but I really need those. I'm going to need you to stay uh, come in on Saturday. You know, yeah." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I know I know at least locally, guys like Mike Ruzioni have probably not bought a drink in a bar right, for forty yeah. years. You can oh, kind of die no. off just, it forever. Yeah. Yeah. He can he can walk into any any bar in Boston and be like, Hey, it's a Ruzioni. Yeah. And he is just beloved in this town, and I'm sure the Minnesota guys oh, the Callahan's the and yeah. any of those guys. None of them are buying drinks. Uh all right, I will go next. Uh this is Yeah, you're number five. This is where I have Rocky. Uh, at number, all right. but it's my Drop. number four it's my number four so all right we'll get there quickly then but uh jonathan what do you have oh you had miracle at number five didn't you yes all right so andrew we are at your number four so we can talk about right uh, I, I will i will also trump this oh okay um, fair enough yeah fair enough uh that i guess that means my number four then um this is where i have it's a wonderful life uh every time a bell rings an angel. Oh, I'll, I'll, gets, I'll allow it. Gets its wings. I didn't. I would. <laughs> I would not have thought about this as a rings movie, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, it's and kind it's, of the central, you know, uh, yeah. the plot of how he gets his wings. So, <laughs> um, so anyhow, uh, it's a wonderful life. I've talked about it many times before. We watch it every single year. Basically, have it memorized. In, Do you watch it at Thanksgiving or Christmas? Christmas. We watch it at Christmas okay. every year and Christmas Eve. Uh, we watch nice. it, and uh, never, it's so good. Never seen it. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, you got to you got to take that off your list of shame. You should come over is. Christmas Eve this year. <laughs> Watch it with us. Uh, All right. So so yeah. So it's a wonderful life is my number four. What's your number four? Phenomenal. Uh, Film. John. Uh, my number four is Doctor Strange. We talked about it earlier on the show. Sling rings. Mm-hmm. The sling rings. Yeah, yeah it opened up yeah. those portals. Um, one of my favorite standalone entries in the MCU. Um, and we don't have to talk much about it, but I think it works. It's one of the the best origin stories in that 25-picture series, or just any superhero mm-hmm. movie. I think besides maybe Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1, one of my favorite origin stories that introduces us to a character, sets up an entirely new world, and that was a film I saw in IMAX 3D, and it was just like, they are trying some stuff visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of borrow a little bit from Inception with like the folding planet kind of moves, but it was just, it was something I had never really seen before, and it was so fun. Uh, and I'm excited for In the Multiverse of Madness. That definitely. Yeah. 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 Looks like that's going to be fun. Uh, all right. On to our number threes, then. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number three? This is my Saving Private Ryan movie. Here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, do you mean, go what do you mean by that? You're Saving Private Ryan. He's, not- he's making fun of me because we did movies with uh, a male name in them or something. A female, oh, female oh, name right. in the title. A female That's name right. in them. And I was on that episode. That was We gave you a good ribbing for that. Okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so my movie for my number three, I'm going to go with Arrival. Hmm. Because oh, their no, language, I like their it. language I like is it. ringed. Yeah, it's the yeah. circ. Yeah, it's a very circular. I I appreciate the creativity. Yeah, this, I like it. This category, I think, allowed a little more hey. outside the box. <laughs> you said, you know, get creative freedom here. You yeah, be creative. So. I like this. Yeah. This would have been on my list uh, if I had thought of that. Yeah, that's that's great. I like that a lot. What a great movie. Yeah, oh, it's one of my favorite. A lot of these movies that actually. Miracle. If I was doing my top two hundred movies of all time, Miracle would have been in my top two hundred. But uh, number four through number one, they're all in my top hundred movies of all time. And mm-hmm. Arrival is, it's one of those 
very rare movie-going experiences where after watching it, you know that, or you've seen something that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Uh, Mommy and Daddy Talk to Animals is one of the craziest reveals. Honestly, that reveal right there is up there with, like, Luke, I Am Your Father, or uh, I See Dead People, Mm -hmm. you know, the ending for that. It's one of those biggest moments in cinematic history for me that I think Mommy and Daddy Talk to Animals is going to stick with me as one of those... I was there for that moment, you know. I was. We we talked before the show, um, Aaron and I, about movies that stick to landing, and I think Arrival is one of those. Was like, oh my gosh, it yeah. all makes sense. It ties in beautifully, and like the last ten minutes of that, I remember being uh, just absolutely floored by it. Good choice. It's yeah. also uh, it's also the movie didn't necessarily introduce me to Denis Villeneuve, but the movie that made me go, oh, this is one this of guy's this it. guy's one of the greats. And, yeah, very good. And now he we've is got my favorite director. Dune coming out here soon, and the buzz just started. It's only a today. few weeks away now. So, I cannot yeah. wait yeah. for Dune. Yeah. That's my most anticipated. Or, or Dune, as it says on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, that, pla- right. that planet uh, makes an E. <laughs> uh, Aaron, your number three. Yeah, my number three is Inception. Um, Trump. Oh, got a little bit of a Trump there. We'll talk about it here in a second. Uh, it's my number two. Not going to lie, I completely forgot about that movie. It would probably be where I put Doctor Strange. But yeah, know, whatever. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got at number three, John? Uh, the Greatest Showman going off the wow, uh, okay. circus rings uh, oh, yes. motif. Uh, this is a movie I know some people either love it or they hate it or just indifferent to. I am firmly in the love to camp. Uh, when I first saw this movie, my wife was like eight months pregnant. And there's a big musical number at the beginning of this film about a million dreams. It's all it's going to take. You have to just pour your heart out and my wife and I were in a, a very bad situation financially and the movie resonated so much with me with that sort of perseverance and like you just have to put everything on the table and make it work to save your family and there was something about it that just immediately connected with me emotionally and just from a musical standpoint it is just every song is a bona fide banger and my daughters now uh, a little older and now that we're financially a little more stable we can put this on, and they love it. They love to dance to it. My daughter knows a bunch of the words to these songs now. And revisiting it with her three or four years later has just uh, just been fantastic. So very close to me personally. But just just as a movie, just the entertainment is just like off the charts. I love a good old-fashioned musical. And Hugh Jackman is just so entertaining. Yeah, Aaron and I have had this conversation plenty of times, but... Man, P.T. Barnum was such a good guy. Like, <laughs> when you're talking salt of the earth, P.T. Barnum. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm able ni- to ignore that. It's not a documentary. It's just a musical. <laughs> one of the and- nicest guys you've ever uh, heard it of. Is one of. It is one of those rare instances <laughs> for me where I I have such difficulty putting aside the context of the movie. And I don't know why yeah, that I is. Get, I get that. I, get I that. don't know why that is other than it's not just that the movie ignores like the darker sides of P.T. Barnum, it actually reverses his character. Like human care. I don't mean like yeah. like movie character. I mean personal character. Like his, yeah, yeah. his, it takes the thing that made him awful and puts it on a pedestal. 
And and yeah. and so that I, because of that, it's so hard for me to see through that. I don't disagree with anything you said about the music or the entertainment. Oh, the or, music's amazing. The music is it's incredible. So like it's I've listened know. to the soundtrack like twenty times straight through. It's phenomenal. It's just hard. It's it. it's just one of one of those rare movies. Where I told the, and I absolutely get that, but I do not care. No, I <laughs> totally. And I'm not even sure you should. I'm not even sure like that. Like you can both things can be true. You can know the context yeah. and and that kind of stuff and also enjoy the movie. Like, I'm not sure both things I, can be I, I true, choose but. to just entirely see this as like a fictional mm-hmm. uh, movie that's just sort of based on like a character had, like him. I had someone say, if he wasn't called P.T. Barnum in the movie, would you love it? I'd be like, literally. it'd be one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it's like if you literally just call him Hugh Jackman, the right, greatest showman, yes. like there are no more problems. Jack Human. And I think just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think just because there's that, uh, sense that it needs to provide historical or documentary yes, context if, to a real life figure. Yeah. You get lost in this sort of this well of uh like personhood and yeah, he was terrible, but also the other side is it slaps. Like oh, that is a great so song. Good. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait for Michael Gracie to do the Ted Kaczynski musical, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Montana mailman. <laughs> oh man, that would Will be... you send my stuff? Uh, I would watch it. All right, all so the world. that means that's on, what I had at number three. So we're on our number twos. Um, so Andrew, what do you got at number two? This is where I have Inception. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, the Wedding Ring. Uh, yeah. A lot of controversy, the you totem. know. Yeah, it's not his totem, but he does only wear the wedding ring when he's in a dream. So, uh. It's it's Inception. I've said a thousand yeah, times yeah, how yeah. I feel about this movie. So, yeah, yeah, I could talk about but it. But Aaron, and, yeah, and all uh, you know, like recently watching it under the assumption that everything is a dream was one of the, a really great revisiting uh, a movie movie experiences for me. Whether that's that everything, including the, the the ending and the beginning, correct. That his wife is correct. That his wife is waiting for him in the real world, and he's stuck in a dream yeah. uh, for the entire movie. Um, and that just, it's just a, is another layer. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that the a theory level. you guys both subscribe to, or is that just it is a, the theory I subscribe experiment. to now after watching it uh, with that in mind? Huh. Um, because it, yeah, and it really was an eye opening experience where I was like, even if this isn't true, Nolan is smart enough to know that this is could that be. this it's could be true and that this works yeah. and it has to for the for the film to feel as deep as it does. Um, you have to wonder m- maybe Mal is right. Um, and yeah, and so yeah, it's it's I've never it's, it's yeah, interesting. I've never watched it since uh, Aaron's told me that theory. I've always gone with the uh, well, now I go with the uh, the final layer is the layer of reality. Like, we do see a reality layer in this movie as opposed to everything being a dream, mm-hmm. but um, I do need to rewatch it for the simple fact that it's just a great movie, yeah, but also totally. I need to rewatch it. With that mindset of everything is a dream, man. There's because some, you were talking about Michael Caine talking about yeah. like come back to reality and stuff yes. like that. You know, there's some stuff that the Michael Caine character says in that that feels like maybe he's been inserted to get him out and is trying to incept mm-hmm. him into understanding things. Like he he says some really specific things about yeah, come back to us. Um, yeah, which make kind of sense in the scene, but make more sense if he's trying to pull him out of. You know, a dream. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a man. It's I kind of I kind of want to see a fan edit where the movie the the thing doesn't topple over, 
But then you just cut to like Bob Newhart waking up in bed and be like, I just had the strangest <laughs> dream. And then that's the movie. That's the yeah. ending. Yeah. Or or perhaps more appropriately, Leonardo DiCaprio waking up in Bob Newhart's inn yeah. in uh, Vermont. Um, is this yeah. Nolan's best film? I don't think so, but no. I think a lot of people For have For me, it it's there. Prestige. Um, Prestige is definitely, I think, maybe my favorite. I loved Interstellar, but the guy is very consistent with fantastic movies. Yeah. Dark Knight. Oh, uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Gosh, he's oh, oh yeah, you yeah, forget he did. You forget he did the That's Batman right. movies. He's good, isn't he? Man. All right, um, he's Aaron, what's your number? <laughs> yeah, two. I yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have the Matrix at number two. Uh, this is the one <laughs> I knew I'd get those looks. Uh, hey, you gave me a rival, so you gotta. Yeah, no, no, no. This this movie depends a lot on ringing phones. Uh, the idea, you know, v- ringing. Okay, that yeah. is so Ring. smart. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> I, I I I wasn't thinking auditory. I was thinking uh-huh. physical sure. Olympic no. rings, boxing rings. Yeah, I thought I was ringing being, sounds. I yeah. thought I was okay. being clever with arrival. Man, I just got dunked on by Aaron <laughs> with his ringing phone and Matrix. That's so clever. That's so clever. It really is a key a key understanding of the movie, like getting in and out yeah, of the, yes. you know, has to do with, you know. Uh, and if we're allowing the Matrix in this conversation, that's immediately like very near the top. Yeah, of the sure, sure. Yeah, it's sure, my number yeah. two then as well. Well, um, maybe number three. I, uh, I We've talked about this movie a ton as well. Uh, very excited to see what Matrix 4 uh, brings us. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. We're also pretty close to that. Uh, again, if things don't get get shifted around, um, should be with yeah. us very, very soon. Uh, so so yeah, uh, the Matrix is my number two. Uh, Jonathan, what's your number two? My number two is going to be trumped, but it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Mm. yeah, we will trump that. Uh, and then I think that means we're time for our number ones. Yep. I'm gonna so go with Cave. I'm gonna go with Caveman, the Ringo Star movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> if you no, like Lord of the Rings, yeah, me too. All right, there you go. Me too. Um, well, what I think we don't need said? to talk about it. <laughs> we, like, I, I don't know say, that we really. I guess what I will say, if you haven't found someone who has the 4K uh, transfer, transfer they did and watched it on a nice TV, um, it is spec. It's the best I've ever seen the movies. Um, they yeah. really went all out with the 4K scans. I, am, I, am, uh, and- I haven't seen this in a few years. I'm excited to revisit it uh, when and if I get a new TV. Yeah, I know spray. they. I know they upscaled it to 4K. Did they also? mess with the uh, fps did they bump it up to like 60 or anything no like the frame the frame rate is still uh, 30 but the okay. um they didn't upscale it they actually did new uh scans, scans. of yeah, yeah, yeah. the original prints so Ooh. it's it's actual 4k it's not just like the 1080 you know blu-ray upscaled, upscaled. um so. okay peter jackson would not be dumb enough to yeah, he wouldn't yeah. pull a George I, I, Lucas. <laughs> Are there Ewoks yeah. in the two towers now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant trilogy. I think um, part threes usually miss the mark or don't resolve a conflict well because most first movies have to stand on their own, and then you have to introduce a whole new conflict, a dilemma in the sequel or the third part. And I think because it was written uh, as one trilogy of novels and then adapted as one trilogy of films. You get such a cohesive narrative mm-hmm. straight through that remains, I think, to this day, the strongest three picture experience ever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I can't, I can't think of a more cohesive or consistently entertaining trilogy. Than In all that, that care that was taken twenty years ago, oh, 
you know, in these movies, it it ages the movie so well. Like you watch it now, and it just it feels like it could have been made now. You know, it's just well, it, yeah, we're coming up on the twentieth anniversary of Fellowship. Mm-hmm. This is December. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. insane. Yep. I, what I've started doing, and I don't know if you guys enjoy this kind of entertainment, is going on YouTube and watching people watch Lord of the Rings for the first time, and they're like, "That's great." It's so amazing, like, uh, especially in Fellowship of the Ring, you know, the you shall not pass, like, ooh, I get it, I get the meme now, and it makes sense, and I'm like, and then Gandalf falls, and then they cry, and like, yeah, I'm, I went through every single emotion that you were going through right now, it's, it's a lot of fun, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't checked out the 4K because I th- I genuinely, genuinely thought it was just an upscale Mm-mm. instead of you know reshading and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, no. Well, they shot it on thirty-five, so we'll get we'll get a good scan if they did their homework. Yep, yep. No, it's great. Awesome. I have watched it. It is amazing. Um, nice. All right, that I think that means you have Rocky at number one. Is that right? I actually have Rocky two at number oh, one. Oh, okay. All right, fair which, enough. Which, for my money, uh, greatest sports movie of all time. Best ending greatest to movie, the whole Rocky franchise. <laughs> uh, and the, yeah, best best movie in the Rocky. Uh, Octology, whatever we're at now, and and the Rocky movie, Rocky franchise has a lot of really solid films, including Creed. The first one, obviously, the fourth is a lot of fun. The sixth one is excellent, and three and five I can kind of uh, leave, but the other six are excellent. And Rocky two, I think for me, is just slightly above the rest. It, there's just something about an underdog that finally gets his shot, and a lot of the same reasons I love Miracle, I love Rocky. He is just like the cinematic embodiment of like the underdog and that like comeback story and watching him charge up those steps with an entire city of children chasing after him with Bill Conti's awesome theme playing like you cannot get more pumped up than right before the fight in Rocky 2 it is just like yes i am in bring it Love oh, when he so when much. he whenever he's running with the kids and then he puts it in fourth gear and you see yeah, the kids and he just really pulls away. Trying, yeah Oh, I love it so much. Rocky is my favorite sports movie ever. Yeah. And the original, uh, I right? almost put, Yeah, the original one. I, I but I totally get Rocky too because They're they're for me they're like they're really close. They're both ten yeah. out of tens. And and I actually have the poster of Rocky one here in my office. Uh, I like the poster better and I like the, the he his whole life was a million to one shot. Great tagline. Uh but I think two is just for me, it edges it out being slightly more I think interesting from a narrative perspective, uh, and I love the romance where they kind of pick up where they left off in the first, yeah. And they get married, they have a kid, and it's just it's a great story. Yeah, uh, the and eight, he wins. He wins yeah. the fight. He doesn't tie. He actually wins. Yeah, <laughs> the eight count at the end of Rocky Two is one of the most like jumping up and down moments. Like the first time I saw, it, like get up, get up, get up. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. I'll remember that moment forever too. So I, I cannot fault you at all for having Rocky no, 2. No, 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 I, I don't fault you either. I think the reason actually I put Rocky 1 above Rocky 2 is because he wins without winning. Like, the, the, there's something yeah. really beautiful about that ending that I think I like more than the actual winning of uh, Rocky 2. So, The yeah. only one to ever go the distance was a nobody from Philly. Spo- spoiler alerts for the Rocky movies that came yeah, out many, you, many years if ago. You, is it, if you did is it really a spoiler <laughs> at this point that Rocky loses in the first one? I, I'm sure if you've never heard anything about it or seen it, yeah, that's a beautiful moment mm-hmm. that you wouldn't want spoiled for you. But I, again, you know, it's we're dealing with now. decades. It's been out for 45 <laughs> years. Catch up. Yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk honorable mentions. Um, I would throw out Raging Bull, 
I think is worth mentioning. Uh, boxing ring. Uh, I Tanya. Not actually a big fan of that one, but I'll allow it. I Tanya was good. Yeah, I Tanya, yeah. another Olympics one. Phone booth. Yep. Speaking of ringing phones, I really enjoy uh, phone booth. That is an underrated movie. I yeah, think I that agree. movie yeah, is I have to really good. It. I am su- I am surprised to hear you say that. I remember seeing it in theaters 20 years ago mm-hmm. and thinking it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. The uh, Sonic the Hedgehog the I Eagle. was decent. Eddie Sonic the, e- the Hedgehog, all right. Uh, Eddie yeah. the Eagle is, uh, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, an actual movie with rings. <laughs> like, yeah. As yes. opposed to Stretch. Uh, you mentioned Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, another good uh, God, Olympic one. I love that one. movie so much. It's such a feel-good movie. Andrew, would you? A lot like Rocky. A lot like Rocky in that respect. Would you include, you know what you could have included, Andrew? I think you love this movie I'd more almost than I do. In, I almost included Warrior. Is that oh. what you're going to say? No, but because that, it's, that an makes, octagon, it's, it's an, an octagon. It's an octagon, not a ring. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, The Departed, because the there's a phone ring, huge moment, but also a drug ring. Like you know, that's uh, it's, mm, yeah. You're stretching now. Drug you're stretching now. Uh, no, okay. the phone right. ringing in Matrix hey. was pivotal to the plot. The phone ringing in Departed is just a phone. Yeah, but it's Every also movie a, drug has a drug ring. ring. Yeah, the drug ring. Yeah, yeah. You know. know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> that one's that one's that one you're getting you're on thin ice there, Dicer. All right, you're on uh, thin ice. Any other and that's the Boston mentions. guy and that's the Boston guy telling you that he's not gonna allow the departed. So. <laughs> yeah, the departed. I actually I used to my, my old apartment buildings in the movie. There's a scene where they're under uh the, the red line or they're under the bridge. Mm-hmm. And you can see my apartment building. I lived there for a couple of years right across the bridge there. And it's like, hey, uh-huh. I know that bridge. I used to walk underneath that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Just fun. Uh any other honorable mentions from you guys? Um, uh, I, got, I got to include, uh, yeah, I got to include the original Japanese version, Ringu. Ringu, or however sure, you say. sure. Yeah, um, yeah, the Ring franchise, the the original, and um, I think we, I think somebody just mentioned it, and I lost it from my train of thought. Oh, um, I was, I haven't finished it yet. I just started it last night and fell asleep. But 1965's Help with the Beatles prominently features a Ringo star ring that. The bad guys want to keep taking off of his, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, his and it's such a I fun. You were say I watched Yellow the, Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> no, just help. Um, one of my favorite Beatles albums, and the first forty-five minutes that I've watched so far, I've been very in, uh, entertained by. Uh, I don't think it would make my top five, but yeah. honorable mention for, yeah. for sure. Well, there you go. Uh, best ever movies featuring rings and some creative Aaron, answers. A uh, quick question for you: mm-hmm. You loved Shang Chi. Would it have made your top five? Uh, no, 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 um, no, my top five was pretty like best ever, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. In fact, my, my top four are all in my like top 50 of all time. So, um, so yeah, it wouldn't, it would have made honorable mention for sure. Cool. Uh, all right, let's move into our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Um, I will start this week. Uh, only murders in the building on Me Hulu. Too. Is that your buried treasure as well? Nice. Yeah. Well, there wow. you go. Uh, Never heard of this. This sounds great. This is my jam. Um, three. They dropped the first three episodes. The new episodes will yeah. be on Tuesday. Uh, it incorporates elements of podcasting, true crime, mis- murder mystery, uh, the funniest man to have ever lived, Martin Short, is in it. Um, and the second funniest and man the second to have ever lived, Martin. Uh, I'm not sure I actually believe that, but I do believe Martin Short may be the funniest human uh, to have ever lived. Um, but uh, but yes, yeah, Steve Martin is great in it. Uh, Selena Gomez is great. She's the best actor. She's good. She's, She's doing good. incredible work. Um uh, in this, I am loving it. Really, really enjoying uh, Only Murders in the Building. As a little bit of context, uh, the show 
is a TV show that we're watching based on a podcast that they're creating about a murder that happened in their <laughs> complex. So, yeah. the, so the only murders in the building is the name of the podcast as well. And it's because they were like, well, let's do other murders. Like, no, we're only going to do murders that happen in our building. And I just think that's hilarious and a great concept yeah. for a show in, in a podcast. And they are true crime lovers. They love true crime podcasts, so they decide to make their own. I have to watch this with my wife. She's going It's so good. Go. It's so good. So good. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's clever. It's interesting. It does some, like, it, it does cutaways that are really creative and fresh. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm really digging this uh, TV show. So, yeah, it I is on that- Hulu. <laughs> I love in the first episode uh, where they're where they get interrogated by the uh, the detective, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh God, what podcast do you guys listen to?" You know, like <laughs> she was like totally aware that these amateur podcast listeners are trying to solve a murder, and it's so funny. It's like mm-hmm. that this is not the first time she's had to deal with this type of person. Yeah, but yeah. no, I think that the three of them, the chemistry, we all know that Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short are going to have amazing chemistry. What I didn't expect is that Selena Gomez was going to steal the show and yeah. in a big way. But the three of them together is just so... It's like, I needed a show like this. A fresh, yeah, I did too. good show. Yeah. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for murder mysteries. I'm ready for that to be like the, you know, uh, uh, bring back that genre in a big way with Ryan Johnson doing more, you know, um, uh, Knives Out type movies and this. And yeah. Yeah. Just loving it. Well, you guys, you guys have definitely sold me on this. I will uh, fire it up, man. This out forthwith. Yeah, on Hulu. Which of these seventeen platforms is it on? Okay, Hulu. Hulu. Yeah, Hulu original. Yep. All righty. Well, John, I guess that just leaves you then. Andrew and I both uh, ended up loving the same thing. I don't don't know that my I don't know that my recommendation is going to be as full throated, but buried treasure this week is for a little old show on HGTV that just started called Cheap Old Houses. Uh, Not based on a podcast, based on an Instagram account. Of this uh, young younger New York couple who travel around the country taking photos and documenting and sharing houses that are have some old vintage element to it, at least 100 years old in some cases, and can be purchased on the market for $150,000 or less. And my wife and I are in the process of buying a new house, so we've been looking at Zillow every day for months and months and months. And uh, she's a big fan of Victorians and like old farmhouses and stuff. And this is an Instagram account that just shows you, like, hey, if you're willing to put in a little bit of elbow grease, you can get, like, a six-bedroom house for, like, $118,000. And what? That sounds incredible. Uh, if you like home-building shows, if you like uh, TV programming, or if you're in the market like I am, this is the kind of thing that um, – it's, it's a really fun watch because it's not the same formulaic shtick we always see on HGTV where it's like, here's a couple. This guy is a baker. This guy rides a unicycle, and they have a $6 million budget. What are they going to buy? And they look at three houses and buy one. This is just that two is one of my least buying. favorite parts about HGTV is <laughs> oh, yeah, the yeah. clients themselves and how annoying yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So there are no clients. There's nobody in the show buying any houses. They're just looking at old houses and then showing you what it looked like before any renovations or what things you could update. And I like that it has a more historical perspective on like what what used to go in this kitchen. Why did they have it this way? What was the purpose of this layout or this pocket door or this oven? And it's kind of neat to see how people would have lived 100 years ago or 60 years ago architecturally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think if you're into houses and architects, uh, architecturally uh, interesting things like this, it's a really quick, fun little watch. They're only like 22 minutes long. And uh, it's been a nice little show for us to watch when we just want to throw something on before we fall asleep. So 
They nice. gotta be doing uh, a lot of shows in the Midwest then, because that's where you find the cheap houses. <laughs> no, well, most of them are actually in the Northeast. A lot of them are like upstate New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Whoa. where people are buying like you know two room schoolhouses for like eighty grand and then putting fifty thousand into it, and now it's like this nice big house they can live in. Uh, it's actually really neat to see what people can do to it and like what's available for such a cheap price. With houses that are there, these aren't like abandoned, dilapidated homes. They're just. Some of them just need like a little paint or like new windows, but mm-hmm. by and large, they're livable for like a hundred grand or less. And it's like, that's wild. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. It's a little, if you love like e-shopping on Zillow, this is a show that kind of yeah. extends that into a, a, a program. It's, and it's, it's on uh, Discovery Plus. Okay. It's shocking the amount of uh, HGTV I watch. So why not add another show to it? Like yeah. Chip and Joanna Gaines are my spirit animal and, you know, the Property <laughs> Brothers I love. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I think if if you're the type of person that likes that type of programming or goes on Zillow a lot to look for things you have no intention of buying, cheap old houses is oh, uh, that's me. pretty fun. Nice, yeah. very 100%. nice. That's uh, cheap old houses on Discovery Plus and only murders in the building on Hulu. Well, we did it, guys. We managed to Woo! do a podcast. I'm proud of you all um, that we were able to accomplish this together. Uh, Here, thank real you so quick, much. Real yes. quick, I'll, yes. uh, I'll throw this out as my as my buried treasure, just real quick. Uh, season three of What We Do in the Shadows came out. Oh, that did nice. debut as well. Yes, there you go. Yeah. That way so there we, we go. a third one. Uh, that is yeah. on FX and FX on Hulu the next day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to Drew for providing some of the visuals for the show today. Big claps. And yeah. thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us again on your Saturday morning recording this. Um, yeah, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, where you want people to find your work. Uh, let's send people <laughs> to Letterbox this week. There you go. Letterbox.com forward slash John Paula. I watched 67 movies in August. I, uh, I actually slowed down quite a bit during the Olympics, but I, I peeled off 25 watches in a single week to catch up. I was just churning through good and bad. I watched a lot of stuff, and I'm catching up with some of my diary entries and adding a lot of reviews, including some stuff for movies that came out 112 years ago. Nice. So if you want to hear my thoughts on, like, a 112-year-old D.W. Griffith film or um, movies like Shang-Chi, which came out yesterday... Um, that's where you find him. That would be Letterboxd. Shang-Chi, a remake of a 112-year-old movie. (laughs) (laughs) Either one. Either one. Uh, Letterboxd.com slash John Paula if you want to check that out. Uh, Thank you to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at $3 a month and you get access to uh, bonus episodes at some levels, uh, monthly video hangouts at different levels, all sorts of fun stuff. You can find out more at Patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Uh, feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than talking to an animal with no actual mouth. Uh, we will be back next week with The Card Counter uh, and Kate, I think, are the two movies we'll be talking about next week, and uh, we will mm. see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.